welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. I want to carry on from my last week's message where I spoke about how when God asks us to do something, on the surface it sounds reasonable to everybody else, but to us personally, it, it's nearly always the worst thing that he could ask for. It's like he, he always comes and asks us to do something which we and ourselves are not capable of doing, or we feel like we're not capable of It's always reflective of a, a failure, a hurt, uh, a weakness, some area in our life where we're not really capable of 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 knowing uh, who we really are. And, and it's, it's in all those areas, we try to avoid that kind of conflict, that kind of moment. But, but that's where Christ wants to be the victor in our lives. He wants us to understand who he is. Uh, and, and as he said to the woman at the well, uh, as Simba mentioned, he said, to him, if he, he said to the woman, if you had known who I am, you would have said to me, give me a drink. And, and, and how that... In the whole process of, of when Jesus asks us to do something, the key is, is not to try and do what we can't do. The key is to come back to him and say, can you do this for me? Can you give me this? Because this is what you're asking me to do. And, yeah. and, and that in itself is, a, is the greatest level of trust. It's understanding who he really is. And in our Take a Breath series, we, we want to understand what it means to just stop, take a breath and receive what it is that he's downloading into our lives. In John chapter 14 and verse 27, I'm, I'm going to speak a message which the Holy Spirit, he, he, I, this was an unusual scripture. So it's not an unusual scripture. It was an unusually received scripture. Uh, and um, normally I'm working with a theme in my heart, and the theme naturally opens scripture. You, you kind of know where those scriptures are. But um, during the week, as I'm as I'm praying, I sat down on my desk, not on my desk. I, I do sit on my desk sometimes, um, <laughs> but I sat down at the chair at my desk. And as I sat down, the Holy Spirit said to me, John fourteen twenty seven. Now, John fourteen is the scripture that speaks about. Um, the Holy Spirit being our comforter. But I wasn't particularly aware of what John 14, 27 was. And uh, it's unusual because it's not an advised way of getting a word from God, you know, because you could pick random scriptures. You could could, uh, sort of, if you you try making up scriptures, you could end up with Judah went and hung himself. Jude went and hung himself. It could be, you know, go and do likewise. It could be... (laughs) Yeah, you, you could end up with all sorts of disasters doing that. And, uh, and so you, you don't want to, <laughs> you don't really want to pursue that kind of, but the Holy Spirit put this scripture in my heart. Psalm, uh, John 14, 27, it says, peace I live, leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And as the scripture opened up to me, I suddenly became aware of what is probably the single most valuable commodity in the world, and that's peace. It's the single most important thing that nations desire, that 
that people, whether they, it is a person um, living a, in a small, single-sized family, small family, they desire peace. Companies desire peace. Society, communities, towns, villages, people desire peace. Nations desire peace. Because with peace comes the ability to build prosperity. It comes the ability to build confidence. The idea that you, you've got some sort, some sort of sense of I can plan ahead. I can, make, um, I can make investments and be sure that I will get a return. And so, and so peace is, is, is one of the most important things. It's important for our own internal heart, the comfort of our heart. Peace is the single most important thing that we have uh, when it comes to building as a, as a building block for the rest of our lives. And everybody desires peace. And so Jesus says, he says, my peace I give to you, but not as the world gives. Which means that there are two types of peace. That Jesus gives a peace which differs to what the world gives. And, And the world gives a peace which is by nature a counterfeit of the peace that comes from Christ. Now, when I say a counterfeit, counterfeits themselves can have value in their own right. You can, you, there, are, there is a market today of counterfeit paintings. And everyone knows they're counterfeit, but they're so brilliant, they have value. It's not the real thing, but it looks like the real thing. And because it looks like the real thing, it has value. The world gives us peace and it gives us a value, it gives us value, gives us the ability to be able to plan and, and, and just, it gives us a comfort. But the reason why it is that what Christ gives us is not as the world, because what the world gives is it gives nothing. Because the peace it gives is simply the absence of trouble. It's like standing in an open field and the wind stops blowing. When the wind stops blowing, it becomes peaceful. You're in an open field, but you are exposed and still vulnerable. And so you don't really know whether the wind is going to blow again. You're pretty sure it will because that's the nature of wind. And that's the nature of trouble. And so we desire, see what the world wants to give It's just simply the absence. And the world would do anything to try and avoid trouble. So creating compromise, really trying to create barriers that kind of stop the wind from blowing through our lives. And, and, And all it's doing is creating a void or an absence of the trouble that we desire to avoid. And that's all it has. And so the world cannot give a peace that Jesus gives. And I I want this morning to understand, and in my heart, I began to ask this question, if Jesus gives a peace, what peace does he give? It says in Isaiah, let me read this to you. I'm going to read, there's quite a lot of scripture here. Um, I'm going to read Isaiah 9, verse uh, 6 through 2. 
um, verse 10 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice that from this time forward, even forever, the zeal of of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, I, I need you to understand how critical it is for us to understand how important peace is and getting a revelation of the power of the peace that comes from Christ. Because... We see here that peace, the the nature of peace is governmental. And governmental creates an environment that helps you to build. We have a government in this country. People, some people like the government. Most people don't. Most people don't ever like the government because it's always the government's fault, right? And uh, so everything's always the government's fault. So... So the government, some people like it, some people don't, but some people voted for it, some people didn't. But the thing that I've noticed that over the years with changing government, that it doesn't really matter which government you voted for. They make a few decisions this way or that way. But at the end of the day, we just carry on living our lives, right? And, and the reason why we just carry on living our lives is because government creates order and it creates an environment of safety and peace. That's what government is all about. Without government, it would be chaos. So when Jesus comes and he says, I give you peace, what he's saying is, I'm come to give you something which causes a government, a governing structure which enables prosperity, confidence, faith, empowerment and the ability to build an exceptional life God wants us to understand see that's the power of the peace that comes from Christ because it's governmental it sits over your life in a completely different fashion the type than what the world can give all the world can give is an absence of trouble but what Christ comes to give is something which is governmental and gives you the ability and the power to build Now look at this. If we go on, it says in uh, verse 8, The Lord sent a word against Jacob, and it has fallen on Israel. All the people will know, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say in pride and arrogance of heart, The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedar. Now I want you to see this, because... This is, this is the children of Israel, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria saying, with pride and arrogance, this place is a mess, but we can rebuild it. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a curious thing, because that doesn't sound like the terrible thing to do. This is not like them saying, we're, we're, we're going to just party all night, is it? This, is, this is, doesn't sound that sinful. <laughs> Heck, we're going to rebuild this place, you wicked people. <laughs> it sounds, sounds a pretty reasonable thing to do if someone comes along and says, look at the mess of this place, we can rebuild this. Look, we can rebuild, or the, we're going to take out the sycamore, we're going to b- build it with cedar. Cedar's beautiful. Sycamore is all right, but cedar is beautiful tree. Let's build it with cedar. We can do a better job than this. 
And this is what it says in verse 16. For the leaders of this people cause them to err, and those who are led by them are destroyed. Why is that? What is it that causes? See, here's the thing. If we build with the peace of this world, we build with the absence of something, and we build with a void, a vacuum. We don't build with the substance that comes from Christ. See, a lot of people are making decisions based on this. And this is, this is a classic Christian. So I can't tell you how many times I've sat in the pastor's, um, the, the pastor's office. I don't actually have an office. Right? I've sat down with someone and just chatted away and, heard, and, and I just heard people listing their troubles. And as many troubles as possible in life, we probably heard them all. We probably haven't actually. We're probably still hearing new ones all the time. But what I've discovered is that trouble's trouble. It doesn't matter what it looks like. A lot of people say, oh, you, you don't understand. I'm thinking, well, trouble's trouble, right? I mean, everyone's pain is original because it's theirs, right? It's unique to them. And uh, I don't need to experience that particular pain to know that pain is pain, right? It hurts. If I punch you in the face, it would hurt, right? <laughs> Pain's pain. So... But so they try and make a decision based on avoiding the punch in the face. <laughs> they try to avoid the trouble that's coming. They want to make a trouble. And this is the classic Christian line. I've been praying and I just feel it's time for me to leave. Leave the spouse. Leave the church. Leave the friendship. Leave the work. Leave this leave that's time for me to leave and I, I feel such peace yeah of course you do you're not experiencing trouble anymore you're going to feel peace if you leave a troublesome marriage you will feel peace but you also get destroyed because all you've done is created a void of absence of trouble you, you step to see Christians make the mistake of thinking that the peace, which is the counter, where the counterfeit comes, if I can just avoid the pain. Now, that's entirely understandable. I, I, I do my best to avoid pain as much as anybody else does. I, I'm not a glutton for punishment. I, um, but at the same time, we have to understand where peace comes from yeah. and how to build by the gift of Christ rather than the gift of the world. Mm which leads us to a place. It says, it says, let me read that to you again. For the leaders of this people caused them to err. He's talking to the people who, who, who were saying, look, we can do it our way. We can build like this. What they were saying is, we can build without the peace that comes from God. So what is the peace that comes from God and, and how do we understand what Christ has done for us. Jesus said to them, I give you peace. Now the peace that Christ gives, when Christ is speaking, he's saying, I give you shalom. And shalom is a substance. Shalom is one of the most important words in the Bible. It's one of the most important words that we would ever understand. Nothing broken, nothing lost. Shalom 
is the restoration of all things. When, when, When Christ says, I give you peace, what he's saying is, I give you full restoration. Nothing broken, nothing lost. Nothing taken away from your life. I give you full restoration. Now, when the disciples, Jesus has said to the disciples in Matthew's gospel, he said, go and go to the other side. And he was up in the mountain praying and he looked out to the sea and he saw them struggling with the, he saw them struggling with the waves. Let me go with me, will you, to Matthew 14. Matthew 14, 24 says this, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. For the wind was contrary. How many of you know, see, that's what we spend our life trying to avoid, is contrary moments. Verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. How many times does Jesus tell us not to be afraid when that is the, 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 the only reasonable emotion that you should be expressing at that moment in time? He says, don't be afraid, don't be troubled, don't be afraid. And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter had come out on the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? We read the scripture and think it's about faith. But I got a revelation this week. This scripture is about peace. Because Jesus said, I give you peace. I give you shalom. When Jesus was walking on the water, he wasn't calming the storm. He was just walking on the water. You would think they're struggling. You would think he sees them rowing, struggling. You would think that Jesus would just calm the sea. I mean, that would be the easy thing to do, right? Just cease wind, help them. They, he could have even blown and just blown them across like Superman or something. He could have, he could have, like this, and they would have shot across and would have gone, how did that happen? But Jesus walked on the water in a boisterous sea. And while they are there in the middle of the night, it's dark. They can see a strange figure lit by the moon. They think it's a ghost. That's an entirely reasonable explanation. If you, I mean, who walks on water, right? Have you ever seen such a thing? So here they are. They are naturally afraid. They're afraid of the waves. They're afraid of the conditions they're in. And now there's somebody walking on the water and they're just going, their brains are just beginning to fry a little bit. And Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. It is I. Now, here's the thing. When Christ comes to us, he will always come to us in the storm, not calming the storm, but walking on the water. He always comes to us walking on the water and says this, don't be afraid. See, Peter makes a response and he sees Christ, his shalom, and he says, if it's you, call me out. And Peter steps out into the water and he's walking towards his shalom. But as he's walking towards his shalom, he becomes aware of his trouble. And now he's in this conflict, point of conflict between his shalom or his trouble. 
And he cries out and he says, Lord, save me. See, Peter, Peter began to sink. I don't know if you've ever noticed that it's not possible to begin to sink. You either sink or you swim. You don't, you don't do one or the other. If, you, if I stepped out, if this was water and I stepped out, I wouldn't begin to sink. I would go straight down. <laughs> That's what happens. It's a, even, even I worked as a lifeguard, even as a lifeguard, jumping in, we used, to, we used to train to jump in and not go under. And it's possible to jump in and, and not put your head under, but you're still going down. <laughs> it's like the water will cover you at some point. And, and here he is, he's, he's, he's sinking because he's becoming aware of his trouble more than he is aware of his yeah. peace. And so Jesus came as his shalom. You see, he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. You see, nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing lost is one of the most critical things we have to understand. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our shalom. He himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making shalom, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and he preached shalom to you, who were afar off and to those who were near, that through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple, in whom you also are being built for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. See, Jesus said, my peace I give to you. What he was really saying was, I give myself to you. Peace I give to you. We we think that peace is a feeling. Peace is not a feeling. It is the substance of Jesus Christ. It is the fullness of his restoration in the midst of our trouble. So we have to understand, we spend our life trying to avoid trouble. We don't need to avoid trouble. If we spend our life avoiding trouble, we spend our life running away in a place of loss and defeat. We spend our life being defeated rather than overcoming. And so here we have this exceptional situation where the disciples are in the, wa- in the boat and the waves are coming. They want the waves to go away, but they don't need the waves to go away. They just need peace. Because their peace is their Jesus Christ. He is their shalom, the restorer of all things. The moment he stepped into their boat, the waves ceased. See, see we need to find our shalom and let our shalom walk into our troubles that peace may begin to overcome and change the atmosphere and the environment. That's how we become overcomers. Let me, let me read you this. 
This is the promise of Christ. In, in, in Jeremiah 33, he says, Behold, I will bring it health. He's speaking of, of um, uh, cities of Israel. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of shalom and truth. And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and rebuild those places as at the first. You see, what we need to understand is shalom has an abundance of restoration way beyond any of our troubles, much bigger than the waves, much bigger than our fear, much bigger than our heartache, much bigger than our disappointment, much bigger than than every trial and trouble and environment and, and, and thing which is against us. And this is what, this is what, Christ has spoken. He is our shalom. Look towards him and ask for shalom. Speak shalom over your life and begin to use that word even to to help get a revelation. Nothing lost, nothing broken, nothing lost, nothing missing. It's important for us to understand nothing broken, nothing lost. In other words, everything that has been broken in your life Jesus, our shalom, comes to heal it. Nothing broken. This is part of your prosperity. You see, we see that prosperity comes through peace. Well, Jesus Christ is our peace, and in him we find a new kind of prosperity, not given by the world, which is subject to to the the conditions of this world. One minute they're making money, the next minute they're losing it. They're up and down. But the kingdom of God is a different kind of prosperity. It's not framed around the, the substance of this world. of of pounds and and pennies but it's framed around the the promises of the kingdom of God if my life is subject to his shalom I shall live in his prosperity and I know that every wave that comes against us how many of you have had waves you feel like are going to drown you there have been many moments in my life where I thought to myself can I recover from this is this possible You wake up the next day and you go, I'm still breathing. (laughs) I don't know what's going on, but I'm still breathing. What I discovered is that you've got to look towards your shalom and say, if that's you, let me walk to you. Let's walk together towards the boat that we may see the waves come. Let me read John 14, 27 to you as we finish. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.